day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a real busy day. March Madness is here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And on the Raiders app, no matter where you're listening, you can go on the Raiders mobile app and just click on the radio in the upper right corner. And, man, we got a global Raiders radio show. And we've never had that before in the history of the Raiders, even from the ticket 10-50 and 95-7 the game and what they did in L.A. They never had an app where you can hear it from Guadalajara all the way to Tokyo. We get calls from London, from Crusader Raider, all because of that app and the fact that it works and you click on and you can hear the show. What an honor. What an honor to have. Hey, man, a lot of people think the future of radio is on streaming devices here or there. We got great radio stations and partners, but I love that app. Thanks to the Raiders for that. And thank to you. Thanks to everybody as we open up the show brought to you by PTs. I was at Sierra Gold on Jones yesterday. Had a great lunch with my buddy Ross and big things happening from the Stratosphere to the Arizona Charlies as PTs are going into those properties 64-plus locations, and if you're watching the Golden Knights, you know it by now. Head on out to PT's for that happy hour, 5 to 7, with the Golden Knights on. It's incredible. You'll thank me for it. PT's, they fuel the monologue. All right, how much more Trent Brown you want to do? I unloaded. I got it out of me. I unloaded on all the Trent Brown the last couple of shows. If there's any stragglers left, if anybody else would like to say something about Trent Brown on the way out, we'd love to hear from you. Because the Raiders now, they need more players. I knew they needed better players, and I think I know where they needed those players to play, mostly on defense. But now with the loss of several starting offensive linemen, some who could return, or other offensive linemen who could come to the Raiders easily, the Raiders now have to fix the offensive line on top of the majority of the defense. At every level of the defense, they have to fix. Defensive line, linebacker, and especially on the back end. Now you throw in the offensive line. uh, That's what hit us like a wave this week. Hit us like a wave this week. Had a feeling that Trent Brown was gone. Mike Mayock had a press conference and all but told you. He all but told you about him needing to get in shape. The warning signs went out there, and Trent wasn't going to play for less. He wasn't going to cooperate. Remember, Khalil Mack, not Khalil, but his agent, Joel Siegel, was never going to cooperate with the Raiders. Fact, not fiction. I'm very aware of that negotiation and why it didn't happen up in Napa because the agent of Khalil Mack wanted Khalil Mack to take the best, best offer possible, and there was no way the Raiders were going to give him that money. You can debate that, and I think Khalil Mack's one of my favorite all-time Raiders. I love the kid. Love him. He's like a Lawrence Taylor. He's that good. But they weren't giving him $90 million guaranteed. Did you see what Dak got? You see what the quarterback of the Cowboys got? First two years of the deal, he gets $90 million. Very similar to Khalil. And the signing bonus that Mack got and his guaranteed contracts, which he's already cashed. And he made, like, quarterback money at the time. And the Raiders have Derek Carr making quarterback money at the time. For those two players, they just couldn't do it. But, you know, maybe something could have happened if Joel Siegel let the discussion 
go down with Gruden and others in Napa never happened. Khalil never went back, and you know the story there. Now the Raiders have to get to one of my favorite topics, which I believe I'm better at than anybody. How about that for an ego? My favorite topic with the Raiders is recruitment. It really is. It's my go-to topic. Legacy, legacy and recruiting. Came to Vegas from Oakland to recruit, period. That's the key here. Allegiant Stadium, no state taxes, the entertainment capital of the world, real estate, whatever you want, outdoor lifestyle, warmer weather, however you want to break it down. The advantage that the Raiders have now around the league is recruiting, and they've got to start recruiting now. So my friend John Gruden, who I believe in and have his back, he's talked about this. He talked about it years ago at his initial press conference. He talked about it with Howie Long one-on-one in an interview that he talks to players around the league who want to be Raiders. He knows Hall of Famers. He knows every coach. And he knows the former legends of the game that can help him recruit Raiders, such as Tim Brown, Charles Woodson, Bill Romanowski, who might join us in a little bit. whole bunch of other guys who would gladly go to work and help Coach Gruden recruit some players. And that's where we are right now. We're in the JT window of recruiting. What are we doing? Who do you want? What position does he play? And how the hell do you get him to Southern Nevada and Las Vegas? That's where we're at. It's like a couple-of-week window, and we're open for business. So for Coach Gruden, who I think is one of the more flamboyant, great names in NFL history as a broadcaster, he's got a Super Bowl ring, he's got to get out and recruit. Mike Mayock, a TV guy who has great skills with personnel, TV guy too, he's got to get out and recruit. And then some of the alumni and everybody else involved in this beautiful city and this proud organization, they are all available to recruit. From Mike Haynes to Art Shell to the greats who have ever played this game who are still with us, Jim Plunkett, Fred Bolitnikoff. Imagine if Fred Bolitnikoff was involved in any type of meeting with a receiver who wanted to come. Wouldn't you think if you're Juju Smith... Or if you're Nelson Aguilar, you'd want to call Fred Bolitnikoff in the Bay Area and ask him about the Raiders? Everybody's on board. Everybody's ready to go. And now a lot of teams are giving up players. Kansas City loses two Super Bowl offensive linemen today. Now what's the takeaway there? I don't know if the Raiders will get one of them. The point is Kansas City's losing their really good players. New Orleans is losing their very good players. The 49ers are, and they're worried about free agency. There's not many teams out there that are 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six that are in a position different than the Raiders. They're losing players, and they need to get new ones. And the good thing this week is there's a flood of players on the market. I mean, there's a lot of players on the market that just got released in the last 48 hours. So I have a list of the top 130 free agents. About 18 to 25 were either tagged re-signed with their team most of them didn't move and as the league year opens up and they're able to do business there is going to be a quick recruiting session for the Raiders where I believe they have to get two elite players or former elite players one could be Richard Sherman or Kyle Long how about that let's put those two in that category Richard Sherman and Kyle Long both of them seem to want to be Raiders Sherman's getting a little bit older, but he can still cover. He can still cover, and he can read a defense as good as anybody. And if he wants to be here, bring him in. Arnett needs the help. 
Mullen needs the help. You've got to have him out there helping and coaching with Gus Bradley, and he can still play. And then we find out that Kyle Long's available as you know a former three-time Pro Bowler retired coming back. So you look at players like that, Eric Fisher, Kansas City. You go around the league at anybody who was injured, now healthy, want to come back. The Raiders got to be in that market. And then the second player I think the Raiders get is someone who is still young, under 30, and an explosive player. Jadavion Clowney I've been talking about for two years here. His price has gone down significantly. He's worth 50 cents on the dollar compared to last year and the year before. So if you tell me Clowney could come off the edge for a cheap price, that's the type of player I like, value. Yannick Ngakwe, who's bounced around to a bunch of other teams recently, he's the type of player that I think the Raiders should make a run at. And then anybody else who the Raiders feel fall into their category of linebacker, free safety, or defensive tackle, who is available, they must get an offer at the opening of free agency. 12.01 a.m. if the agent already hasn't gotten the wink-wink indication that the Raiders are interested. So these are all the things I'm talking about the rest of the show. We're going to be talking about it next week. And we're going to hope that there's two or three players that we either expect or we didn't expect who agree to terms with the Raiders quickly. So we don't have to worry about, you know, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown's gone. This player's not coming back. No, you say they were filled in. They were replaced. They were replaced by better players. It's tough to get a better guard than Gabe. But we replaced those three players, and now the Raiders are two more players on top of that and their draft picks. And they're going to hit a home run with their first-round draft pick, hopefully on defense. Starter. Then I think everybody's going to calm down. Because, man, the Raider Nation has been worked up this week. Take it from me. From social media to tweets to radio shows, whatever it is, the Raider Nation is worked up. There are stable sections of the Raider Nation, and there are unstable sections of the Raider Nation. So with all of that together, the Raider Nation needs to hear from a voice of reason on how to improve and what's on the bright side if you get the best players. The legendary Bill Romanowski, kind enough to join us. And Romo, jump right in with that. A lot of Raider fans on the edge. Trent Brown's gone. Gabe Jackson's gone. Who else are they going to lose? We need more players. Talk about how you came to the Raiders and how free agents should take a look at Las Vegas. Well, you know, I know when, you know, when I talked to Mike Shanahan, when I was leaving Denver, I knew the Raiders were a defensive leader away from being really good. And I wanted to win the Super Bowl, and I wanted to get back at the Broncos uh, for, you know, what was going on there. So that was my reasoning. Where the Raiders are now is they don't have an impact player on defense that you say we have to watch out for him. We have to game plan for him. What are we going to do, you know, with him? We're going to have to leave a back to that side. We're going to have to double team this defensive end. They don't have that. So, in free agency, I believe they, they need three things, but I think they can maybe address one of them in the draft. 
but you need a dominant edge rusher and you need a dominant corner. And that is someone that you basically say, we're going to shut down this receiver and we're going to put him on, on that receiver the whole game. And a defensive end that will make the rest of our defensive line, which we have some good young players. We just don't have any great young players unless all of a sudden this year, you know, they show something even greater than what they've been. Max Crosby, I think, is the best rusher we have. And I think he's a good player. But he's not a dominant guy that you say, we need to double-team this guy every play. Bill Romanowski joins us. One of the most honest guys I know. And he wants the Raiders to do well as much as anybody I know. Romo joins us. So, Romo, I talked about recruiting. Take me back when you talk about Shanahan, the Raiders coming to the Raiders. You played in a Super Bowl for the Silver and Black. Did you feel recruited at the time? Did you feel wanted? What was the process where you turned around and said to your family, man, they really want me. I can't wait to be a Raider. Well, so, you know, when I told the Broncos to release me, I called Al Davis. And he was in a meeting, and he, he said he would get back to me the next day. But here's what he told uh, Fudgy to tell me, that he thinks I would look good in silver and black. So right there, I, I just liked hearing that, you know, because that told me that he was interested. And then when we talked, you know, Al Davis and I talked for about an hour and a half the next day. And it was clear to me that I wanted to be a Raider. And, you know, there's just something about putting on the silver and black. There was a mystique about it. Um, Whenever I played the Raiders, when I was a Bronco for six seasons, it was a battle every damn game and i just knew they were really good on offense and i believed that they could win the super bowl and i think what really bothered me is the play that happened in new england you know the fumble Mm -hmm. that they didn't get and it just really bothered me that the refs Stole that game, which to me, you know, we win that and we're on our way and we're probably going to go to the Super Bowl that year. And Mm -hmm. that play really bothered me. Bill Romanowski joins us. Romo, we just dealt all week on the flagship with Trent Brown. And there could be more to the story, COVID. He's a big guy. Oversized guys have bigger health issues. But nobody I talked to. No one inside or outside the organization told me that he had a passion to be a Raider. And they paid him the money. And they gave him the money after he won a Super Bowl. I want you to address, because you're the polar opposite. I want you to address players that once they get the contract, 
they're no longer motivated, especially when it's 30, 40, 50 million guaranteed compared to the player like you who made some money and some good money and you were still hungry to be loyal to your team and give your team the best you had left. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I know Trent Brown. And Trent's a really nice guy. And he is a really freaky, talented guy. But the problem is he does not like to train and he doesn't like to lift weights. So because of that, he's injured all the time. And then you throw in, because I I think there's a lot of guys out there, you know, after they play with a team for a few years, they want to get their money. And for for me, I wanted to be a Raider. And I got offered more money in Kansas City because my old defensive coordinator was there, Greg Robinson. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to Kansas City. I knew there was only one place for me. I wanted to be a Raider. And we need to find guys that really want to be Raiders and compensate them well, but maybe they take a little bit less because they don't have to pay state income tax. And, you know, they have a relationship with John Gruden or Mm -hmm. Mike Mayock, or they just are like the idea of playing in Vegas. And to me this year, we're able to get people in the stands. We're going to have the best, uh, I think, game day experience in the NFL this year if we finally are able to get fans back in the stands. Bill Romanowski, courtesy of Lean One, Nutrition 53. We'll get to that in a moment. Romo, it just feels like it's go time. I don't blame anybody in any sport for not winning during COVID. They all tried. Today, the breaking news, Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. Duke has one COVID case. They're out of the tournament. They're not going to go to the NCAA tournament, or they're finishing up their season now abruptly. So I don't judge everybody. LeBron won a ring. We saw the Dodgers since 1988. They got their ring. A little bit critical because they only played 37% of their games because of COVID, but they still won. But now everybody seems to be back, and they're frustrated with the Raiders for not winning, being 8-8, eight and eight. and Tom Brady just won at 43, and he wasn't in Tampa a year ago at this time. Now he's recruiting his best players to stay for less. This, to me, is a big topic. The Raiders have to compete against that in the NFC and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. What are you encouraged about over the next couple of weeks, how Gruden and Mayock can get this right? You know, uh, the key, JT, and you got to focus on this, is you first have to focus on your division. And how do we beat Patrick Mahomes? Well, what did we see in the Super Bowl? We saw the recipe for how you beat them. And you beat them with pass rush. So, we, you know, I mean... Gruden and Mayock, hey, Gruden loves his offensive guys, and he's always going to be an offensive guy, and I think he wants to bring – he that's his focus. 
Well, I think Mayock needs to balance him out, and they need to get they they need JT. You got to have at least two players on defense that are that will change the game. Two guys that are Pro Bowlers that potentially will become Hall of Famers. You need two on offense and you need two on defense to be in the hunt. And that has got to be the focus. And I think a lot of that on the defensive side is going to come from Mayock because of how much John Gruden loves his offensive guys. Romo, a quick follow-up on that. You know, Jerry Rice, Rod Woodson, and Bill Romanowski are not walking through that door. So I need to follow up with you on how you find that player in and around the league and the age. Veteran, are you saying? A young free agent that team released? What are you specifically looking for? I know you want a Hall of Famer and a Pro Bowler, but if that player hasn't evolved into that player yet, how does Gruden get him? Um. Hey, you, you, you might. Hey, you, you, you. If you find your guy that you know you want, you might have to pay him a little bit more. But I think we have a young team, JT. So yes. to me, I love the idea of a getting a defensive leader. And hey, that that leader doesn't have to be, you know, the dominant pass rusher or the shutdown corner. Maybe they're able to bring in, you know, uh, a good, you know, younger, but a guy with experience at middle linebacker that can rock people. And I like the idea of that, of having your leader be one of your linebackers. So that yes. could be the guy, but then you got to get a defensive end that is a dominant player and a shutdown corner. And that needs to be literally what Mayock is focusing on. And then let's see what we can do in the draft because we need to have a really, really good productive draft. Guys that can come in and play right away. The brilliance of Bill Romanowski. God, I missed this. We're going to do it more. And Romo, the reason I thought of you this morning is some mornings I wake up, maybe the wife, or I'm, I'll make an omelet, or I like a wrap, I'll take a piece of turkey, throw it in a tortilla wrap, and I said, no, 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 I got lean one right here in front of me in the pantry. I made a lean one vanilla shake with ice, and now my day's off to a smarter start. I have energy for the two shows today, all because of lean one. Well, JT, I just had my lean one, and you know what I did is, I put two scoops in a blender, eight ounces of water. I put a handful of spinach and a handful of frozen raspberries, and that was my lunch. And I tell you what, I feel amazing, and I'm ready to go. Where do we find it? Costco, the website, tell everybody where they can pick up Lean One. Yeah, you can absolutely. We have our uh, vanilla and chocolate peanut butter. You can get at Costco, or you can just go to Nutrition 53 for all our flavors and all our sizes. The best-tasting fat-burning protein on planet Earth. If you want to get lean, fit, and strong, 
and you want to do it fast, get your lean one at nutrition53.com. How cool is it to have product in Costco? Is that when you know when you made it? When people are going down, they're buying wine, they're buying lawn chairs, they're buying heaters, and all of a sudden you got product in Costco. How cool is that? I know. It's awesome. You know, they're a really good partner. I mean, it took us six months to get in, and now, you know, we're really killing it there. Good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for the clarity on defense. Always appreciate your time. Okay, JT. Take care. You got it. Bill Romanowski. It's incredible, man. I got a lot to say today. It's a, it's a pretty emotional day today. It's the one year. Today is the one year of sports, COVID colliding, everything getting shut down. I'd like to open up the phones to you on how it affected you personally. How did it affect you as a Raider fan, a sports fan? Overall, really deep question I'm asking you, which I don't get too deep on Sports Talk Radio, but I'd like to know what was your big takeaway of the year? This is the actual day where I'll talk about later, I drove to T-Mobile for the Pac-12 tournament and got turned away in the car knowing that the game was canceled. And then my whole life shifted for 365 days. Most have been on the radio with two shows covering sports as they were postponing, canceling, or pausing. And we've got through it. And we still got a ways to go, but I'm very encouraged. I'm optimistic about the future. And I want to tie it into the Raiders on what happened to the Raiders in the last 365 days. All the good, the move, some of the things that we were hoping for, like the stadium opening, which it hasn't yet, for sports, and we're, we're getting there. And the Golden Knights, and what the Golden Knights are doing. And UNLV, who won a big game yesterday over Air Force. We've all been affected in this community. Thanks to Bill Romanowski, who joined us. Really fun way to kick off the show. Brought to you by Remy Martin. When I talk X's and O's with Romo, I'm talking about a Remy Martin, and you'll see that at the new Raiders Tavern inside the M. You'll see a heavy dose of Remy Martin once you walk into that room. A big show lined up. Michael Thompson's going to join us. Late arrival to the show. Color analyst for the Lakers on the radio. Two-time NBA champion as the analyst currently for the Lakers as they play tomorrow. Dana Altman will join us, courtesy of our friends at Coaches vs. Cancer. Oregon. Won the Pac-12 in Vegas. They're going to the big dance. And Johnny Katz, as Vegas is opening up a little bit later on. Once his test came back positive, we needed to make a decision whether we were then going to cancel the game. And the fans were in the seats, ready to go. We were now um, five or ten minutes past the point we were supposed to tip. I spoke to Clay Bennett, who was there, owner of Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti, the GM, and also spoke to some representatives of the Utah Jazz. And I think we quickly agreed that this should not, of course, be a business decision. We should be listening to the public health experts, Oklahoma City and the team doctors. They conferred and fairly quickly decided we should not be playing. Adam Silver, a year ago, a year ago yesterday, and officially the shutdown of the NBA, and then eventually college basketball. JT, back with you on Raider Nation Radio, and this is the show. This is the day, and I'd like to talk about it with a couple of people in Vegas. We'll do that throughout the show on how your life changed. What was the biggest change in your life as a sports fan? 
Are you consuming far less sports? I would assume it's less. If you're not going to any games, if you're not going on road trips, it's got to be less. And there were less sports to watch because there were postponements and pauses and teams didn't play and seasons were shut down. So I would think we'd all have that in common, that there was less sports. So how did it change you to the point where you want to go back more? You want to go to games coming up here? Or are you going to be the second wave, as I call it? The second wave of the people that watch the first group go in. Very important category coming up, which we've never had to talk about in American sports history. So people are getting vaccinated. People I work with are getting vaccinated now, which is great to hear. And if you're getting vaccinated, many people like myself are going to wonder if you're going to be the first wave in. Life is beautiful. And there'll be events before that. But concerts and doing, you know, going to sporting events, traveling, traveling to sporting events, where will you be in the first or second wave or maybe the third wave? I think people, because of COVID for a year, have gotten apathetic about sports. If you're not driving to a game at night, and then getting out of the parking lot at 10 o'clock at night after a Dodger game or after, you know, a UNLV game because you can't go and you're not driving home listening to radio, talking about the game with your wife or your kids or your friends, you're not going to be into sports as much as you were a year ago. And that concerns me also. But the Raiders are going to be very fortunate because so many Raider fans are desperate to get back to a live football game in a brand-new stadium, no less that they're just going to be over the top. When you look at the first wave, many of them will be Raider Nation because they weren't allowed in the stadium. So they're going to come in big. I mean big. A lot of money, the ability to pay for things, watch certain things, uh, get seats. They're going to find a way because they've been held back. But I'm wondering about these small towns and what's going to happen in these smaller markets as sports are trying to open up again. Hockey arenas. I think those fans are very passionate. Baseball is a big one. Sometimes baseball is a real pain in the ass to go to. It's slow. There's a ton of traffic. It's in a metropolitan city. You got to take public transportation. It is not easy. So will all baseball fans come racing back? Yesterday we told you the big news that the Texas Rangers would be the first team to open up at full capacity. 41,000 for their first game in the first week of April. That's going to be a big moment. We have, a less, we have less than a month to talk about that. And if we turn on our TVs in Texas and there hasn't been a rise in coronavirus, which there well could be because they're taking out the mask mandate, no opinion on what, you know, we don't have to get into that topic, but they're going to open up at full capacity as of today. If they do, that just helps Vegas. Then more and more politicians are going to see this and go, yeah, it's okay for them. We have to do it. We have jobs. We need this for our economy. And this is all three weeks out, which is going to be really interesting to see. The NCAA tournament, the brackets come out on Sunday. Usually we do something locally on the radio. We'll maybe put up a contest on Facebook, but because of lack of promotion, people that are just getting back in the building, lack of radio remotes like we did back in the day, You know, we won't be doing these March Madness parties like I used to do at the Gold Coast where I'd grab a microphone, go to the second second floor, and they'd open up all the ballrooms. Incredible to see, by the way. Open up every ballroom, all all the adjoining doors, and just have people selling beer and people selling bets in a kiosk. You can go to the sports book or make your bet up there. 
and just madness. Absolute madness as every shot that was made won you money or lost you money. I watched two games today that were incredible. Syracuse just lost on an absolute buzzer beater by Virginia. And then earlier today at Madison Square Garden, Patrick Ewing in Georgetown, the eighth seed, knocked off Villanova, the one seed, on the free throw line. One of their players got fouled with four seconds to go. They called timeout. They're down one. He made both free throws, and they beat the one seed. And Patrick Ewing did it at the Garden, where he was a legend. So that was really cool to see today. Dana Altman's going to join us coming up here in a few moments. And then Johnny Katz, and then we're working on one more guest. Oh, Michael Thompson, the analyst for the Lakers, is going to check in. A Golden Knights lost a really big game last night, 4-3. to three. They were down 4-1, to one, and they clawed all the way back. Coughlin in that game had three goals. They ran out of time. I'm not that worried about the Golden Knights. I think they're going to get Flurry some rest. They're going to be able to make a really big push. But I'll tell you, that Minnesota Wild team, they are tough. They are tough. And Vegas is going to have to see them again, along with St. Louis, coming up. And we all know how tough Colorado is. So over the last two weeks when Vegas, when I got back from Tahoe and saw them outside play, they've been on an up streak, and now they ran into a pretty good team. Going to be interesting to see Vegas as they need Pentrangelo back healthy and Stone. Good to see him play. And yesterday, Jerry Jones met the media. What a press conference. Did you see Dak Prescott walk into that room at the star? We didn't have the sound yesterday. We have it now. Uh, Jerry Jones spoke about the decision to bring his quarterback back. One of the real easy decisions that I've had to make in my time with the Dallas Cowboys was to have Dak Prescott as a future uh, regarding the quarterback position of the Dallas Cowboys. So I thought he got beat in the negotiation, but he didn't care. He's a multi-billionaire. Jerry talked more about the decision because they franchise tagged him, and now the time was right to lock him up. We have uh, certainly said that our future is with Dak. We are keenly aware that uh, the process that we've done over the last several years has uh, created, if you will, uh, a conversation and maybe even a life of its own. Don't confuse that. Do not confuse that. And the fact that how much uh, I may have, we may have contributed to that. Don't confuse that with how right we think this decision is and how right and how much it's been there from the very beginning. This fits. This fits what I and what I want our Cowboy fans to think about when we think about the Dallas Cowboys. NFL City, with all due respect to Vegas, which is a brand-new NFL city, Vegas will never be Dallas. Dallas has just got such a big head start. Their media is massive, and they've been doing it a lot longer than Vegas covering football, and it looked that way yesterday. It looked incredible seeing Dak walk in with that blue suit, Jerry and Stephen Jones. And this soundbite from Jerry Jones is one of the Mount Rushmore soundbites of his life as everybody was questioning him overpaying for Dak. Most anything that I've ever been involved in that ended up being special, I overpaid for. Every time to the end. Anytime I've tried to get a bargain, I got just that. It was a bargain (laughs) in a lot of ways and uh, not up to standard. And one from Dak, who was the ultimate leader. You want your quarterback 
of your franchise. You want your franchise player to be as humble as Dak and have the upside as Dak and just do everything right. I thought he was amazing yesterday at the press conference. Grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. Never in a million years did I um, imagine not being a Cowboy once I put on this uniform and put on this star. Uh, so through it all, through the two years, I guess you can say, or more, um, there was never a slight doubt in my mind that I wouldn't wear the star for the rest of my life. Big deal. And breaking news, Duke is out of the ACC tournament. Their AD says their season is over. Uh, maybe if Duke won one more game, they'd go to the NCAA tournament, but they didn't have a good year. And for Coach K, it comes to an end now. Duke has withdrawn from the ACC tournament and ended its season after a positive COVID-19 test within the program. And to think it all started one year ago today where the NCAA tournament was about to cancel, and then they're finally getting around to playing it in Indianapolis, and the legendary team of college basketball has to withdraw before that because of another COVID positive. What a year it's been. Coming up next, Dana Altman will join us, the head coach of Oregon. Got to meet him through Coaches versus Cancer and Lon Kruger as they continue to do great things for us. Come on the radio, and we get to talk about the association with the American Cancer Society. Dana Altman and Oregon coming in after winning the Pac-12. Johnny Katz next hour from the Review Journal on some positive openings here in Vegas. And Michael Thompson, the analyst for the Lakers, on the Lakers Broadcasting Network. Inbounds Reeves win column Sooners. Game over. The Sooners advance in the 2021 Big 12 tournament. Final score tonight in Kansas City on opening night. It was Oklahoma 79 and Iowa State 73. Lon Kruger, 25th ranked in the AP, 25th in the coaches poll. Oregon in town for the back 12. Dana Altman, friend of the show, kind enough to join us and coach. Always appreciate your time. Congrats on winning the Pac-12 title. Good to talk to you again. How you been? Oh, thanks. I appreciate it, uh, JT. Been really good. Been really good. Uh, teams played well here lately, which always picks up your spirits a little bit. And we're excited about coming to Vegas. Well, Coach, I'll tell you, this is what you do, especially recently, you know, taking care of the conference and coming into the Pac-12 tournament, the NCAA tournament with momentum. How important is that for your program and your players? Well, it's always important to be healthy. And, um, you know, we started the season out. We had a couple major injuries, and uh, we got our point guard back, Will Richardson. So that's the big part, being healthy. And, and our guys seem to be clicking. We're, we're playing better. We had a really good week last week, JT. We, we beat Arizona on Monday. And, UCLA on Wednesday and then finished it off Oregon State on Sunday so we had a really good week guys played really well and uh, you know at this time of year you know to be healthy and guys clicking a little bit offensively you know that really helps we got to shore up some things defensively we're still giving up too many easy baskets but other than that I think we're playing pretty good. Yeah, the 15 three-pointers and beating Oregon State a season high. The rhythm that your guards were in and just knocking down shots with confidence, taking open looks and knocking them down. Let's get into that. Well, that's that's a big part of it. Our, our ball movement, JT, set that up. Our guys were, were really moving the ball. We're really looking for each other. Chris Duarte, our leading scorer, had six assists. 
Eric Williams had five and, you know, the penetration and then the kickouts, you know, those are a much higher percentage three than, uh, you know, one off the dribble. So we were getting into the lane, kicking the ball out, had some good looks at threes and, and guys were knocking them down. We have a good three point shooting team. Our five starters all shoot, you know, above 38% from three. So, you know, that makes us dangerous on any given night. Dana Altman joins us, head coach of Oregon. Coaches, I looked at the season-ending stats. You, know, you have five players in double figures. You also have a bunch of players that play over 30 minutes, and then your bench players play a lot of minutes, 17, 19, 21, 15. I mean, this rotation is really important, especially as you tighten that rotation in the tournament. But you got a lot of players that play a lot of minutes. they got to be happy with that. Well, we, we have tightened it a little bit here lately, but, uh, you know, I, I feel very comfortable with our experienced players. And then off the bench, Chandler Lawson, who's a sophomore who played for us last year. Uh, Amari Hardy, who, who played at Vegas, uh, was a starter for us a long time. And, and now we're bringing him off the bench as our first guard off the bench. He's doing a great job for us. Uh, Jalen Terry, a freshman from Michigan, playing well. And, and Big Frank, an, another freshman. So, uh, we lost in Folly Dante, our starting center, uh, early in the year to an ACL. But uh, the guys have picked it up, and our bench has been good for us. Uh, so hopefully, you know, playing nine guys here, uh, we'll be able to, you know, get three days in Vegas. Obviously, you got to win each one, but you know, we're we're hoping for a good three-day run in Vegas. Hey, coach, I got to ask you about this schedule for you. Does it, did you feel a sense of relief after? What happened on January 14th, the Arizona State-Arizona game postponed. You had a bunch of postponements in between that, the loss to Oregon State. And then coming out of that, in early February, you get on this winning streak after the Washington State loss. Does it feel like a tale of two seasons with the pause for COVID? Well, we had two pauses that, that really yeah. delayed you know, our, our progress. Um, we were playing really good. We had the first one nine days. Uh, came back, practiced three days, and got beat by Oregon State without Chris Duarte, without L.J. Figueroa, without Will Richardson. And then we had another nine-day pause. And the state of Oregon, you know, when we had our pauses, they wouldn't even let us in the gym. Uh, you know, the first one, the, everybody was on the contact tracing, so no one could come in. Even the coaches weren't allowed to come to the offices. And and then the second one, you know, the contact tracing wasn't quite as extensive, but we could not let anybody in the gym for nine days. So when you don't practice in January for 18 days, you know, it, it makes it pretty hard to make progress. And we had a couple bad losses at home coming out of those pauses, but fortunately we had a resilient group and, and they picked it up and, and got it going. But uh, I was really concerned. You know, like I said, when you take 18 days off and no practices, no games, we had one game, you know, in, in four weeks, um, it's pretty hard to make progress. Dana Altman, as we wrap it up, Coach, I talked to Lon Kruger about this, Fran McCaffrey yesterday, and I'll ask you the same question I'm asking all the coaches is, what have you learned as a leader going through this process? I mean, it's been a year, almost to the date for COVID and the Pac-12 tournament being shut down as it began. And with everything that you've learned in your life as a leader, now mentoring these young men and women in the program, uh, what, what's your big takeaway over the last year and what you learned about yourself? Well, I tell you, the, the thing that concerned me the most, JT, and 
was the mental health of my players. Um, you know, imagine college with, with no parties, uh, state of Oregon was shut down. You couldn't go out to eat, no movies, uh, no dates, no nothing. And, you know, our guys, we got them in individual rooms. Um, you know, as a coach, I got to go home to my wife every night and I got a little granddaughter and, and my daughter's here in town, my son-in-law, you know, I mean, uh, it was easier on me than it was on those guys. And so, you know, just being up all the time, being, you know, a cheerleader, <laughs> clapping my hands and calling them, you know, texting them, you know, just checking in on them. Um, uh, and I had our staff, I, I got a great staff that's been with me a long time. And, you know, I just said, fellas, we, we got to check on these guys all the time, you know, cause this is, you know, we think it's a little tough on us taking us out of our routine, not being able to do anything. Think of them, you know, think of what, how their lives have changed and how college has changed for them. So, you know, I, I was really concerned all year just about the fellas and uh, what a, what a different year it's been for 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. And uh, JT, they didn't have much fun this year. You know, I, I want ball and college to be fun for them and, and I just look in their eyes and until we started winning here a little bit, I just didn't think they were having much fun. And that concerns you, you know, that concerns you as a coach. I've been fortunate enough to do this for 40 years and heck, I want my guys to have fun. You know, I want them to enjoy the experience, man. And, and to really have some fun playing and have some fun in college and uh, really worried about them this year. And so just from a mentoring standpoint, you know, doing a lot of hand clapping, doing a lot of checking in on them and trying to stay up all the time. So kind of lift them up a little bit and thought my guys, my staff did a great job of just trying to keep everybody going. Yeah, I'll remember that answer for a long time. It really hit me with a – I have a son who's a sophomore in college and to hear it that way and how you're looking out for them and, and what it means, the mental health and all that. You connected with our entire audience on that, Coach. Coach, good luck in Vegas. We'll see you when we can golf out in Vegas, whenever that is down the road, and uh, always pulling for you. Thanks so much for your time. Well, I appreciate it. Looking forward to Coaches versus Cancer. Coach Crew does a great job, and looking forward to being there in May. Thank you, Coach. Dana Altman. As Oregon and the Ducks are in town, and if they were allowed with fans and we were vibrant, there would have been 10,000 or I'm exaggerating, maybe 8,000 Duck fans all in the hotels from the Circa up to Mandalay Bay uh, staying at the Park MGM, wearing their green and their yellow and their colors. Why wouldn't you? You'd be in Vegas for March Madness. You'd be staying in a casino property. You'd be eating great meals, and you'd be watching your team play. And that's what's happened. We're on the one year to the exact date of sports stopping. We're talking about it today. Want to hear from you on how it affected you. Big last hour coming up. Michael Thompson. Got back to Bobby. He's coming up, the analyst for the Lakers, former number one pick, two-time Laker NBA champion, Johnny Catch from the Review Journal, and hopefully a couple of calls from you on what this last year felt like as a sports fan. All right here, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town.